pray. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for your word, for the power in it, for the application for our lives, Lord. Help us to, to see what you have to say to us today. Bless us, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we're going through the story. We're going through the story of the Bible, right? We're going through in chronological order. We're seeing how very in the very beginning, God created Adam and Eve. We saw how there's people that follow God and people that didn't follow God. And we saw how God's people got more and more. And there's a famine and they came into Egypt because uh, there's food there. And then the Egyptians got afraid of all the, all the Israelites because there were so many and they made them slaves. And then we saw how God delivered them from their slavery and he took them across the Red Sea. We saw how they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And then last week we saw how they entered into the promised land, the land where God had promised them from the time that they had been released from slavery. We saw how Joshua became the leader of this new generation. And so now between seven and chapter 7 and 8, they're living in this promised land. And with God's help, they're defeating their enemies around them. And they're establishing themselves as a nation. And as Joshua was this great leader, as he was this leader that really uh, led the people in the ways of the Lord, trusted in the Lord, they saw the great works of God in their life, in their nation. But then we're told that after Joshua and his generation passed away, the people forgot about God. So as we come to chapter 8, we come to the book of Judges. And Judges is really the story of the immaturity of humanity. In Judges, we're going to explore the question and answer the question, how does God deal with people's unfaithfulness and disobedience? How does God deal with unfaithfulness and disobedience? It's also a story, though, of grace and patience and the love of God that is ultimately expressed in God's story and ultimately we see expressed in Jesus Christ, right? I want us to realize that one of the constant themes in the Bible is grace, is God's forgiveness, is God's love, and how God does not abandon his people. You know, as you think about the book of Judges, or if you read the book of Judges, it's really not that different from our time today. You know, if you're filling out a form, sometimes when you go down the form, there's a place where it says religious affiliation, right? And then it has different lists, you know, a list of different denominations, and you can check something, right? Well, there is now a new category, and it is the category of nuns. N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S. No, yeah, I'm a nun now. Okay, no, no N-O-N-E-S. And what nuns is, is nuns are basically people that have no religious affiliation and they do not believe in God. And even more than that, they strongly question religious teaching. This is now the new group. In 2014, they found out that there are, that 33% of people check off the box of nuns. 33%, a third consider themselves to be nuns. Even more than that, you probably know that even people who say they believe in God oftentimes don't go to church, do they? 
and they don't allow God to really have any influence in their life. They might say they believe in God, but there's no really evidence of God being active in their life. So this is the world that we live in today, very much like the world in the time of Judges, a time right after Joshua. As I said before, Joshua was a great leader, and he was able to help the people focus on God in the power of God, in the working of God, and having strong faith and trust in God. But after Joshua died in his generation, we read in Judges 2.10, and whenever you see the underlying part, please read with me. It says this, After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, fancy way of saying they died, read with me, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. See, one of the great problems that they had when they came into the Promised Land is they did not evict the Canaanites from the land as God had told them to do so. And because of that, the Canaanite pagan practices became a toxic influence in the people of Israel. And the people turned away from following the Lord and instead of following the Lord, they began to follow these pagan gods, which became a real problem for the nation. See, back then, it was very overt, wasn't it? There were the pagan gods, and they worshipped them. Now, in our day and age, we're still, there's, our world is still very much worshipping pagan gods, just not so overtly, right? We don't worship, stat, worship statues, or gold idols. But as I talked about a few weeks ago, an idol is anything that takes your focus away from God, anything that you trust in to bring you fulfillment or happiness. That becomes an idol in your life. It may not be a physical thing, or it may be a physical thing. It's anything from sex, or money, or power, or exercise, or possessions, or people. Any of these things can become an idol in our life. And when we start to have these idols in our life, we actually, without even realizing it, worship those idols instead of worshiping God. And the Bible tells us that whenever we turn from God, we will experience chaos. Chaos in our lives, or if a society turns from God, chaos in our society. And we saw that happen in the book Judges. See, one of the main reasons why the, the Israelites were able to defeat their enemies, if you remember, is that God said, I will fight for you, right? I will go before you. I will fight for you. You will be victorious. And as long as they followed God and were faithful to God and walked with God, God was there to fight their battles for them. And they were victorious. But now in this time, in the book of Judges, you see that the people are turning away from God. God was no longer fighting their battles for them. And they are being defeated by their enemies. One of the common phrases that you see in the book of Judges is this, the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then the scripture tells us that the Lord gave them into the hand of their enemy. See, the people didn't get it. They didn't understand that God would be there for them, fighting for them, if they would only walk with Him, if they would only call upon Him. They didn't get it. And so they turned from God, and they were far from God, and they struggled, and they were in social chaos. I don't know if you saw, uh, it was on the news, um, I think it was last week, I'm sure on the internet as well, the teacher that punched the student. It was a big news story. 
See, what had happened is this, this student came and was confronting the teacher and was swearing at the teacher and was calling him names. And then he threw his basketball hard at the teacher. And I don't know the whole story. Maybe the teacher felt threatened that he needed to protect himself. But then you see the teacher punch the student. You know, I was thinking about this, about how about 50 or 60 years ago, in schools, you know the, the problems with school? <laughs> Chewing gum, running in the hallway, talking when you weren't called upon. Those are the problems that the teachers had to deal with in schools about 50 or 60 years ago. You know what the problems are with schools now? Violence, drugs, guns, killings. The teachers nowadays say that the schools have gone so bad that it's difficult to just teach the students what they're supposed to teach. You know, back then, the teachers were in control, and the teachers had authority, and the, the parents supported the teachers' authority. Nowadays, that doesn't happen much at all. And if you look at the rest of society, you'll see that violence and violent crimes has increased. Drugs are running rampant in our society. There's a lack of respect for authority. Much of this has come because we have turned away from the Lord and are no longer following the Lord, but are worshiping these other idols in the world. We see that not much changes in history. When God's people stopped following him and during the time of Judges, and stop worshiping him, there became social chaos. When we turn away from God and stop worshiping him, we will experience chaos in our lives and social chaos in our world. Well, to help us uh, put the, the story, chapter 8, into perspective, let me just give you an overview of the book of Judges. This time of the Judges was a time of great apostasy, meaning that the people were, were just turning away from God, not following God in any way, and they were just not believing in God anymore. In fact, we're told that they didn't even remember what happened in the past. They didn't remember what happened, how they were freed from slavery. They didn't remember about the Red Sea. They didn't remember about the, the way God provided for them in the wilderness. They didn't remember about God bringing them into the promised land. They didn't remember about God fighting the battles for them. They didn't remember this. And because of this, they were, they were not only being oppressed by their enemies, but they were even fighting among themselves, so much so that they almost wiped out the tribes of Manasseh and ben Benjamin. You remember, there's 12 tribes. They almost wiped out two of the 12 tribes because of their fighting with each other. So God raised up a deliverer, raised up a judge. That's why it's called the Book of Judges, because he, he, instead of having kings, he was having judges. The judges were to be the rulers over the people. And when the people repented and turned back to God, then they found prosperity. And when they didn't follow God, then they were in social chaos. It was a pretty simple formula. you think they would get it right, but they didn't. Most of the time, they were living away from God and living in chaos. In this book, you'll meet many heroes of faith, people like Gideon and Samson and Deborah and Ehud. These people were flawed individuals. A lot of times we read in the Bible about these characters, these people in the Bible, and they think, we think they're greater than us, we think they're better than us, we think they're people that we could never be like. These are just average, normal people that God has raised up, God has empowered, and God has enabled to work on his behalf 
in the lives of his people. People just like you and me, that when God takes a hold of, does great and wonderful things in his kingdom. This book, though, includes some of the most violent descriptions of actions in the whole Bible, and largely because of the sin of the people. And it just got really violent and graphic scenes. The primary message of the book of Judges is that God will not allow sin to go unpunished. This is important to remember. God will not allow sin to go unpunished. God does not just turn a blind eye when there is sin. In the book of Exodus, we learn that Israel was God's people. He was their king. And although they had at first forsaken his Ten Commandments that Moses brought down from Mount Sinai, we see that ultimately they did follow God. Well, in the book of Judges, we see that they are disciplined for following other gods, disobeying his sacrificial laws and blatant immorality. I mean, this is really severe. And God did not just turn a blind eye. Now, unfortunately, when he raised up the judges, they weren't powerful enough. They didn't wield enough authority to make a difference. And the truth is, there is no one person that can save a nation except Jesus Christ, right? Jesus is the only one. And ultimately, that's why Jesus did come. As we come into the Advent season starting next week, we'll see that that's why Jesus had to come. That's why the Savior had to come. Because no one person, no one ruler, no one uh, leader of human form of people can save a, pe a person or a nation. The people's inability to resist the Canaanite influences eventually revealed their need to be led by a religious king, which we will see as we get into the book of First and Second Kings. You see that remembering the past teaches an important lesson for our future, right? We should look at the book of Judges and not say it's irrelevant because it's in the Old Testament. We should look at the book of Judges and say, we are in the midst of a similar situation in our society. We need the Lord. We need to be instruments of the Lord. This, this uh, sermon is called A Few Good Men and Women. God needs men and women that will st step up and they'll stand up for him, and that will preach the truth of God in the midst of all the untruth that is being spoken and lived out in our society. God did not forget his covenant. God never forgets his covenant. He never forgets his love for his people. It was the people in the time of Judges that forgot their part of the covenant with God. We learn that God is gracious and will never forsake his covenant, the covenant he made with his people that extends all the way to us now. His discipline is to help people get out of their sin and return to their faithful following of God. If God didn't discipline sin, we should really be worried then, because then we would think God no longer cares about his people. It is because of his discipline that he shows he cares. I mean, as a parent, if you just let your child be completely out of control, that is not loving your child. Discipline shows that you care about your children. Discipline cares, shows that you, you want your child to do what is right and, and to experience God's blessings. We have to be careful to not forget the great works of God in our life. Maybe sometimes you kind of 
uh, wander in your faith. Maybe sometimes you kind of uh, struggle having a strong faith. Maybe you struggle trusting God. Whenever I get to that place, I always go back and remember what God has done for me. I remember how God saved me from my sin and gave me forgiveness and eternal life. I remember how God was with me when I made a bad decision and protected me in the midst of that bad decision and then remind me, look what I did. I protected you. And I say, oh, yeah, God, sorry. Thank you that you protected me. I remember the time when Tammy and I had trouble getting pregnant and, and God blessed us with two amazing children who are here today. Yay. How exciting. Blessings in our life. I remember that time, how much of a struggle it was to get pregnant and how much of a blessing we saw from God. I mean, there's nothing like seeing your child be born and holding a newborn child that God has allowed you to create. I remember how God has been faithful to me in years of service for him and the works that he's done in and through my life. And I'm humbled to think that God works in and through me in that way. And whenever I doubt my faith, I go back to these times and think about the great works that God has done in my life. And it reminds me, it strengthens me in my faith again. One of the constant themes, or one of the constant things you see in the Bible is it refers so much back to um, the time of slavery in Egypt and how God delivered his people from slavery. You'll see that throughout the whole of the Bible. And all of the, the prophets, in the book of Psalms, even into the New Testament, you see that reminder that God says, you were slaves and now you are free. And in fact, in the New Testament, it talks about it in the, the sense of you are slaves to your sin, but in Jesus Christ, you are now free. What a beautiful and powerful reminder that is. The truth is, God is always waiting for you to return to him. If ever you feel like God is not present in your life, it is not God has left you. It is you who has left God. And so you need to evaluate, what have I done to turn away from God in any way, and how can I come back to God and again be in that right relationship with him? When Tyler was 12 years old, um, I agreed to uh, manage his baseball team. And it was a great commitment, but I wanted to do it for, for Tyler. I, I thought, you know, at least one time in Tyler's life, I wanted to manage his team. And so I took on that commitment, and it meant that I had to draft the team, I had to draft the players, and then once I drafted the team, I had, to, I had to organize the team so that it would be successful, so that the kids would have fun, so that they would do well, so that they would learn. Now, the other coaches, when they looked at my team, they thought that I had the third best team, maybe at best, in the league. But I really feel like by the wisdom of God, I was able to look at the talents of the kids, I was able to work with them, help them grow and learn, put them in the right places to be successful, and in the end, we finished 16-4, and four and we won the league. Now, I don't look at that as a great accomplishment on my part. I, I give credit to the Lord for giving me wisdom and for being able to encourage these kids to play hard, to do their best, and to enjoy their time together, to have fun, but to be successful by putting them in the right places so that they could be successful. You know, the Bible is full of wonderful stories. One of the stories I just told uh, to the children was the story of Gideon. As I said before, Israel turned from God and they suffered defeats from other nations. And Midian was one of those nations who opposed them. 
And so God calls Gideon out of nowhere. It wasn't like he was like some commander in the army and, and God said, okay, it's your turn. God, Gideon was no one. No one thought that Gideon was a leader, including Gideon. In fact, Gideon was so surprised when God called him that twice he asked for God to do a miracle to make sure that God wasn't joking. You're joking, right, God? If you're not joking, do this. Okay, you did. Okay, make the fleece wet, right? Okay, okay, God. If you're if you're still not joking, I don't believe you yet. If you're still not joking, make the fleece dry and all the ground around it wet. And then when God did it twice, Gideon's like, okay, what do I do now? You know, I mean, he's like, I'm stuck, right? And so then we heard the story how Gideon had 32,000, and through various means, he had Gideon pare down his army to 300 people. It's interesting. Uh, read the underlying part with me. In Judges 6.16, the Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites. And then we go a little farther in that chapter, verses 23 and 24, and read the yellow part with me. And it says this, But the Lord said to Gideon, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it stands in Ophrah of the Abusurites. Now you know that Gideon was afraid. First of all, because he doesn't look at himself as a commander. Secondly, because he didn't have 32,000 people to fight this huge Midianite army. He had 300 people. You can only imagine the fear that Gideon had. But then Gideon, the Lord said to Gideon, Do not be afraid. I promise you, God says, you will not die. And God always honors his promises. I'm going to tell you about a woman named um, Tecla Michelli. She was diagnosed with multiple myeloma, which is a cancer of the plasma cells in the bone marrow, and it's incurable. But she had a Jesus-sized faith, and she had prayer on her side. She found out that, uh, that she, had this, she had this amazing dream that God would heal her, and we're going to talk about that dream in a moment. But she said this, the doctors said I had three to five years to live. It was dreadful, and I was scared to death. She didn't want to do chemotherapy, so the doctor said, well, okay, every 60 days we're going to monitor, your, um, monitor you with bone surveys and blood tests. And uh, for th about three years, things were going okay. Nothing was progressing. But after about three years, the doctors noticed that there's an increase in her cancer cells and it was full-blown cancer, 27% in her blood. But she was a Christian. And she remembered talking with her daughter about, as Christians, you can have the peace of the Lord in all circumstances. No matter what is going on, do not worry. Trust in the Lord. Have the peace that the Lord can give you. And she says, for the first time, I really understood what my daughter meant when she told me about the peace of the Lord that fills the heart of a new believer and how the sky looks bluer and the grass Greener. And throughout her illness, her son and her daughter, were, who were Christians, were constantly uh, supporting her, encouraging her, praying with her, and being there for her. After 36 months, the scan on Tecla's head revealed cancerous lesions covering her skull. 
Her doctors wanted a bone marrow biopsy from her spine before they started the chemotherapy. And she says, I had a whole week to think and pray and was petrified all the while. I didn't know if I wanted chemo or if I should just die naturally. I was crying all the time. One day she had dinner with her son and her son uh, prayed with her and then encouraged her. She says, Mom, the Psalms is full of the promises of God. This next week I want you to just pray and read the Psalms and take in all the promises of God. And that's what she did. And one night, a couple days before she was going to have this bone marrow test, she had a dream. And she says, I was outside a market and noticed I had a cart filled to the brim with long loaves of bread. I tried to give some away, but only some would take it. Then I found myself dangling from a foot-wide ledge 30 feet above the ground. I thought I was going to fall and would surely die, but I was holding on to this nail. Then I realized the nail was slowly creating a crevice and is sliding down. It was slowly bringing me down to the floor. When I reached the floor, I cried because it was a miracle. A couple days later, her and her son went to have the bone marrow test, and it's supposed to be a very painful process, but she didn't have any pain. And that was even more of a sign that she felt that God was telling her, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to heal you. And then a few days after that, just before she was supposed to have chemotherapy, she and her son met with the oncologist. And as they approached the oncologist, he had this funny expression on his face. And he said, you know how problematic this industry has become. Look at this, he says. I'm curious. I already know we're at 27 to 32. You're at full-blown cancer. But look at this test I took from the spine, he says. This came back at five. Blood plasma never retracts. It is an axiom of medicine. They must have made a mistake at the lab. And Tekla looked at the oncologist and said, do you believe in God? And he said, yes. And then she told him about her dream. And she told him how she felt that, that God had emphatically told her that he would heal her. This cancer that is incurable. And then... The doctor said, in 25 years of practice, I have never seen anything like this before. And from that point forward, her tests were clean. The miracles that God does. God fights our battles for us. Now, Tekla's enemy was cancer. Your enemy may be a person, a situation, a problem, or a disease. God will be with us, will give us peace, and will give us victory. But someone might say, well, you know, sometimes I've prayed for people. i prayed for healing, and they haven't been healed. They died. Where is the victory in that? Paul gives us a wonderful word from 1 Corinthians. You read the yellow part with me. Paul says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. And read with me. But thanks be to God... He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Paul was one that actually longed to die because he knew that once he died, he would go to heaven and be with God forever in heaven. 
But then Paul also said, but I know, Lord, that you'll have work for me to do here. So as long as I'm in this body, I give you praise and thanks, and I will do the work you call me to do. But I wait for death and eternal life. The victory in death is that in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. We have a glorious life waiting for us in heaven. One definition of insanity is doing something over and over again and expecting to get a different result, right? The people of the book of Judges were doing something over and over again, and that was they were worshiping the idols and not God. And they were wondering, why are we in this social chaos? Why are we being oppressed by enemies? Why is all of this going on? It's easy. When people turn from God, there was chaos. When we turn from God, we will experience chaos in our life. Satan, the world, the troubles, it will all just overwhelm us. When they repented, there was victory, peace, and blessing. Whenever we turn back to God, remember those things that God has done for us that draws us back in that relationship with God. When we come back to that relationship with God, then we will experience the victories that God is fighting our battles for us. We'll experience peace knowing that God is there for us. We'll experience the blessing of God being poured out into our lives, into our church, into our, our country. God was always there. He never broke covenant. God never breaks his covenant with you. God always loves you. God is always there for you. If you have broken covenant with God in any way, then just restore that covenant. In Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness, and there is restoration, and there is redemption, and there is wholeness, and there is that wonderful relationship with God. So God wants you to follow and trust him. God wants you to be that man, that woman that God needs to be raised up in his name for his purpose, for the blessing of his kingdom. Will you be that man? Will you be that woman? I hope so. Let us pray.